You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 Network. You're listening to episode 359 and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. We're continuing our developer life series, first finance, now sales. We as developers often have to sell things. It can be your business's product, an open source library, your ideas, or even yourself for a job. I brought on a very good friend of mine for this topic today. Evi Zawada has over 16 years of proven sales success with both consumer and business clients. Her experience stretches over many diverse industries such as telecommunications, consumer packaged goods, industrial automation, and now medical devices. She has built two successful inside sales teams from the ground up and most recently proved out a virtual selling pilot. She's been named the recipient of President's Cabinet and Quest for Success Sales Awards. Evie prides herself on being a results-oriented leader who focuses on creating an environment where her team can be innovative, fail fast, and feel empowered to follow the personal sales style to achieve success. I am thrilled to have you on the show today, Evie. Oh my goodness. Well, I am so thrilled to be here. This is my first podcast. So hi, everybody. And thanks, Britt, for this amazing opportunity. Absolutely. Well, Evie, you have had some very exciting news happen in your life. So congratulations (laughs) on being a new mom. How are you? Uh, You know what? I'm doing very well. This has been a crazy and amazing experience all at once. Um, And, you know, it took me a while to uh, Chris and I to get to this point, but we're very excited. We made this decision and it's, it's just been awesome. He's wonderful. What is the one thing that has surprised you? About being a mom? Oh, yeah. I, you know what surprised me was how my instincts actually kicked in. Because, Britt, you know me, but your listeners don't. I really had no experience with children. I've never changed a diaper before. I had no clue what I was doing. And you really will be amazed how your instincts just kick in you know what to do, you're happy to do it, Uh, it's a joyful process, and I think that's what surprised me the most, um, that Chris and I just were able to really understand his needs and do what we needed to do to make him happy. That's wonderful. Well, that actually leads me right into your sales origin story. Evie, you are one of the few people that I know who not only enjoys sales, but excels at it. So how did you originally get into sales? Well, I actually have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting um, from West Virginia University. And so, you know, I think a lot of sales can be acting. So I guess I'm doing what I went to school for. But right out of school, um, I worked at a uh, sketch comedy theater in Columbus. And part of my responsibilities there, not only doing sketch comedy and singing with the band there, Um, they found out pretty quickly that I had a knack for calling uh, past customers and upselling them on additional tickets. So they placed me in their sales department, and I'm using air quotes here, Um, and I was able to really excel at that to the point where they actually moved me into corporate sales where I would sell larger uh, corporate events for companies that wanted to do team builders um, and and book the, the comedy club. Um, for their team. So that's actually where I started into sales. I moved down to Florida to work at Disney um, doing entertainment. And I just, you know, I was having a hard time making ends meet and I decided I wanted to go into something different. So that's when I actually found that Verizon Wireless was uh, hiring in sales. So I went to this interview 
funny enough, the, the person that I was interviewing with was from Columbus, Ohio, had seen me in a few shows there, recognized me from it. I couldn't believe it. I felt like it was fate and hired me in as my first official sales job. It's just a sales representative in a kiosk for Verizon Wireless. And that's how it all got started. Wow. <laughs> that is a great origin <laughs> story. I love how Disney got tied into it. That's fantastic. It sounds like you have a knack for being in the right place when you're needed. So I, I love how that all happened. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I can't believe that guy actually knew me. And like you said, right place, right time. And I felt like it was just kind of fate getting me into a career that I absolutely love. So for someone who's listening who might be entirely new to sales, what is your first piece of advice? Yeah, I would say my my first piece of advice would be when you get start that new sales job, you're in your first company. Take a moment, look around you, identify who the top performers are, who you have can have a really good relationship with and find yourself a mentor. This is something that I have done in every position and company that I've been in. It's so important for those people that are really performing and also have the ability to teach and you've identified that you can learn so much. I've had many mentors um, across my career that fulfill a certain need that I have. For instance, at my last job when I was doing industrial automation, um, my mentor there was Daryl Pining and he taught me a lot about sales strategy because I was selling very quick um, at, at Verizon Wireless consumer fast paced sales where you're selling something over the phone within a few minutes and then moving to strategic sales where you can have a 12 to 18 month sales cycle and you're building out a strategy for your accounts. And he has taught me everything I know about that and that has helped me so much to further my career and get into more advanced and extensive sales process. Um, currently now, at my current job, Travis Deschamps um, is my mentor and I'm trying to move into a director level position. And so the analytics behind business and budget, that's something that I'm weak with right now. I'm strong with sales, but weak with that. And Travis has over the last year and a half really strengthened my skills in that department, helps me take an analytical look at how our team's performing and how to express that success in a way that's meaningful. So find yourself a mentor is number one. And the second thing is you always want to remember no matter what you're selling, you're going to have these standard roles in place with your customer. They're always going to be there and sometimes a customer can fill more than one of these roles, but you're always looking to speak with a decision maker. That's a person that's going to ultimately make the decision on what type of solution is going to be purchased or service that's going to be brought into the company. You're going to have influencers that have a lot of influence into that decision maker and can make or break the decision on what's going to be brought into the company. You have gatekeepers that can you may have to work through to get to that decision maker and can make it a little bit tough to reach the person you're trying to get a hold of. And finally, one that a lot of people will forget and not focus on, but it's such an important piece, is the financial sponsor. Sometimes the decision maker and the financial sponsor could be the same, but this is the person that's going to actually make the decision to, to release the funds on a pur purchase. And you need to make sure that you've identified this person and have 
answered all of their questions and handled any objections needed because this is someone you can get further down the sales process and they can come into play and, and they can make or break that decision. So I think those two things, finding yourself a mentor and also understanding the roles in which your customer can play and that you have many different customers within a sale sometime can really give you a good head start into sales. I love that because when we're building software, we're often building software around user personas. And so I love the fact that you are also selling, you know, your wares to people using those sales personas. And as you're listing those personas out, I can visually see what a gatekeeper would look like or what that financial sponsor would look like. So that that's great. Thank you, Abby. So if someone says no now, how do you continue to follow up without getting shut out, especially since you said that there's often times when you're in a very long sales cycle? Yes, this is very important. And it's all about building out what your next step is after that first meeting. So when you have a first meeting with someone, I like to call it a discovery meeting, where you're going to sit down and meet and, and find out what really motivates your customer. And I know we'll get into that later. You want to set the tone for follow-up. If the customer lets you know that they're going to go with the competition or they're just not ready to purchase or move into a service at this time, you can let them know that you want to follow up with them in the next week or two, not only to see if they've gone with a competitor to see how that solution's actually panning out for them, but also asking them that if, it, if it's all right to follow up with any new updates to your product or services that you may have. And once you get that buy-in and that first meeting, you need to feel confident that you can follow up, that you're not being a pest, that you're not going to get shut out. Um, you've received that permission from your customer to do that follow up, and they will um, respect and appreciate your professional persistence. So what should the balance be between in that discovery meeting per se, between listening and talking? Yes, this is huge. Listening should be 80% and talking should be 20%. And this is something that I see even seasoned salespeople make a big mistake on when they're having that discovery meeting. A lot of times I'll give you an example in my, in my current role selling, I run an inside sales team that sells medical devices. And with the current pandemic, we've been doing a lot of virtual selling. So we get on Microsoft Teams and we have um, a virtual meeting, a virtual discovery meeting. And I will shadow some of our reps that will perform the discovery meeting within our company. And a rookie mistake is to get on that call with a PowerPoint and do a death by PowerPoint on that call where you're reviewing every product that you have and all the features and benefits, and you're going through this long PowerPoint. And I can promise you that the person on the other end is probably falling asleep at this point and missed a lot of what you said. You really don't want to take that time of discovery meeting to be talking. That's why I call it discovery. This is your opportunity to find out what motivates your customer and what's going to get them to go with your product. I think asking a very open-ended question, and I'll give you an example. We work with a lot of cardiothoracic surgeons and interventional cardiologists with our, with our products. And so when I get on a call, I like to ask that physician if he or she would mind just starting out the call by letting us know what type of procedures are they working on? What type of patients are they seeing? What's their practice like? And I'll just pause and I let them talk. And you will be amazed when you do that. People love to talk. A lot of times they love to talk about themselves. 
and they will give you a ton of information and they will go through their practice and and what types of patients they're seeing in that way as you're listening and you're taking notes you're gathering all the information what they're interested in what motivates them and it's going to allow that 20 percent of the talking to be used to apply your products to what you're hearing and that's a much more effective discovery meeting than you talking at your customer and basically vomiting out all the features and benefits of your products your customers want to know how are your products going to solve their pain points so you need to identify those pain points and then apply your product back to those yeah so in that same vein how do you figure out what motivates the other side it's the probing that you do throughout that discovery meeting as you start to hear um, in that same example if they say well we have a lot of um, cardiac failure patients or we're doing ECMO, you may ask further discovery questions and probe deeper into those questions to gather more details. And you can start to get a flavor of your customers. Some, some may be motivated by ego. They may want to be the first one to have a product and do a type of procedure or have the type of service. They want to be the innovator at their company. And you can get a feel for that when you're asking these types of probing discovery questions. Um, some may be a little bit more hesitant and they may want to see other people um, use these products first before they'll take the leap and, and use these products. Um, there's a type of role within the customer where you have uh, innovators, like I talked about, that are a lot of times charged by ego and want to be the first to have every shiny product that's out there. Um, you have early adopters, which will be open to, they're, they're not as, gung-ho to jump right into something new as an innovator but they're very open into trying new products then you have late adopters that'll basically kind of wait and see how everybody else does with a new product or service and then you have laggards and laggards they're the worst they're going to wait until this product's basically forced upon them the company's going to say yes we're going to use this product now across all of our divisions and and you have to adopt it um, so you'll find out very early on, based off of the participation that the customer's giving you during this call, kind of where they fall into place. And then that's also going to help you determine how much effort and time you spend on, on that type of customer. An innovator, an early adopter, you should be following up with them every seven to ten days. You should be spending a lot of time with that customer. If you have received the feeling that they're a laggard, you really shouldn't be putting a lot of effort into that customer because you may not be able to, to budge some of those very strong rooted beliefs that they have about adopting new products or services. This episode of the 5x5 Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Scout APM. Scout APM is application performance monitoring designed to help Rails developers quickly find and fix performance issues without having to deal with the headache or overhead of enterprise platform feature bloat. With the developer-centric UI and tracing logic that ties bottlenecks to source code, Scout helps you quickly pinpoint and resolve performance concerns, like N plus one queries, slow database queries, and memory bloat, so you can spend less time debugging and more time building a great product. And with Scout's real-time alerting and weekly digest emails, you can rest easier knowing that Scout's on watch to help you resolve performance issues before your customers ever see them. 
Give Scout a try today with a free 14-day trial and experience firsthand why Rails developers worldwide call Scout their best friend. And as an added bonus for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash rubyonrails. Thank you to Scout APM for supporting the show. All right, so don't be a laggard. I got it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do don't it. Don't do it. <laughs> Well, in in the idea that you should be able to sell yourself, I wanted to dive into recruiting. So we've talked about this on a couple episodes about how hot recruiting is right now and where there are a lot of great opportunities for software developers. Now, that being said, there are opportunities, but you want to score that dream job. And so, Evie, I'd love to get your advice on how you should sell your skills for a job. When you walk into an interview, at least something that I look at when I'm I'm hiring, I really want that person to come in and show me what they're able to do. And what I mean by that is, I wanna see somebody that is resourceful and proactive. So you wanna make sure the company that you're interviewing for that you have gathered by being resourceful and proactive as much information as possible about that company. And really, it doesn't hurt to come in and actually build out, if you're if you're a developer, um, maybe build out a sample for that company of what you could do within that, within that job. So for instance, when I interviewed for my current job of an inside sales manager at my medical device company, this is a team that didn't exist. I had had one um, successful experience of building out an inside sales team at a previous job. And so when I came into this interview, I not only knew all the products and the origin story of the company and their target market by reaching out to my friends who were doctors and understanding these types of products, but I also put together a 90-day plan on how I was gonna ramp up this inside sales team. That is something that's going to really sell you as their ideal fit for this job. You're going to make it easy for them to bring you in. They feel confident that you're going to be able to embrace the culture and to really tackle head on the challenge that they're putting in front of you when you give them that sort of example and feeling, and it may seem cliche, but showing your confidence in a way, and this is a, a, a very tricky um, tactic, but you know, showing confidence while also being humble within an interview um, really makes me feel comfortable that I that you're approachable, that you're somebody that I want to work with. Um, but you're but you're also confident you're going to be able to speak up and share your ideas. So I think really giving them a, a nice rounded example of what you're capable capable of while also um, making sure you have that right balance of cultural fit of the confidence and humility. Yeah, what I love about the advice from you is that you recognize that when you are joining a company and someone has agreed to hire you, it's really the same as a sale because you that company is now taking on an inherent risk by bringing you on. And so I love the advice of making them feel comfortable and make it to be an easy yes whenever you are interviewing. Absolutely. So a little bit of the negative side, but I'm curious how you would deal with this. How do you navigate selling a product and then the customer is either dissatisfied or they always come to you exclusively for assistance because they like you so much? (laughs) Yes. 
this is a tough one and it's a tough situation to be in when when you're selling a product and something goes wrong the customer's dissatisfied it's even worse if it's really not about your product and you know there's not an issue but the customer might just be a tough cookie and they're dissatisfied but honestly you need to own your customer you know depending on what kind of role that you're in if you're a strategic account manager and this is one of your accounts you own that customer if you're working for like let's say comcast you may have another department that's supposed to handle disgruntled customers but i can tell you from personal experience and friends that i have that are still in that sort of role where they do the selling and the customer service comes from another department the people that have the most success are those that will take on that customer service component to the best of their ability, not to where it's starting to uh, have a damper on your sales numbers, but taking ownership of that customer, those that do that have the best success with sales and they also have more reoccurring revenue coming from those customers. Um, you need to own the, uh, the product, you need to own the mistake that happened, uh, you need to solve it to the best of your ability. You need to maintain that relationship with the customer because you more than likely, especially if it's a strategic sale, will be coming back to this customer for additional sales, more revenue, and you need to make sure that that relationship is built on trust. That makes sense. So I'm curious if a developer has a small operation where they're in charge of sales, how forthright should they be about the fact that they're flying solo when they're selling into other companies? Yes, this it goes right back to what we were just discussing and that's the honesty and the trust. Think about what kind of salespeople you all like to purchase from. What is it about them that makes you want to give them your business? And for me, it's somebody that is straightforward with me, that gives me that feeling of honest, that they're honest, that I can trust them, that for the most part, they have my best interest at heart when I'm, when I'm purchasing something, they want, they genuinely want me to be happy with the product. Um, this kind of goes back to a little side note on that. When you're in sales, I highly recommend, it, if you can, to be in a company where you really value appreciate and love the product that you're selling and that you truly feel that this product is going to help a person or a company because if you don't feel that way it's going to be very difficult for you if you're a good person <laughs> to sell your product and i say that because you want to give that customer that feeling i'm talking about that you are honest that you believe in your products that you're going to support them if you're a small operation, you're flying solo, guess what? They're gonna find that out eventually. And if that is something where now they found that out because you can't support them in the way that you needed to and you weren't upfront with that in the beginning, as you can imagine, it starts to break away that trust. And relationships, as cliche as it may sound, are the, the foundation of sales, building good relationships. And that's something that's hard to teach. You may find that it's just a natural gift that you have of building relationships, talking with people um, that truly matters in a sales environment. And some people struggle with that because they just naturally may not have that gift, uh, but it's very important. And so, yes, you wanna be honest 
about how your operation's going to work and give them an idea of what it's going to be like working with you and allow them to make an educated decision about partnering with you on this journey. This episode of the 5x5 Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Raygun. Are you using the latest tools to monitor your Ruby app's performance? With Raygun error and performance monitoring, you have all the information you need at your fingertips to quickly find and fix errors and performance problems across your tech stack down to the line of code. Raygun gives you real-time visibility into the health of your software so you can see how your code performs in the hands of who matters most, your customers. Save time, money, and sanity by visiting raygun.com ruby and join thousands of software teams who use Raygun every day to ship better quality code faster. It takes just minutes to set up and starts from as little as $4 per month. This is a tool you definitely want to check out. So head to raygun.com ruby to get started on your free 14-day trial or simply search Raygun on the Heroku Marketplace. Thanks to Raygun for supporting the show. That makes total sense. So if I am a solo operation and I'm selling the software that I've built and I am getting rejected constantly, you know, how do you navigate that? Are, are you good at being able to take that rejection and use it as, you know, a mechanism to make the product better? Like, how do you not take it personally? You need to remember that you're going to throw a wide net in sales, you're going to need to reach out to many, many people and position yourself and your products and you're going to receive a lot of no's and that's fine because you're throwing that wide net. That's where you're looking for what I call a, between a 10 to 15 percent close rate. You're closing really 10 to 15 percent um, of your customers and that's a small amount. So many people may say, really? you? Shouldn't I want to have like 70% of a, of a close rate? But it's not, it's not reality, especially depending on what you're selling. So you need to know that you're going to throw a wide net, be comfortable in the fact that you're going to get a lot of no's. You need to be able to sit in that uncomfortable space and keep, and keep moving forward. You know, that's one of the tough things about sales and it's not, that's why it's not for everyone. Um, in a lot of companies, salespeople, they make a lot of money. And the reason why a lot of these positions pay their salespeople well, because they know it's an uncomfortable position to be in. Um, the majority of your um, income is going to be made off of commission. You have a salary, but that commission's only what you're able to sell. And that can be difficult. And you're going to get a lot of no's. Um, you need to remember and feel confident uh, in your product or Brit, like you said, take this, um, if you're, <laughs> if you're throwing a wide net and you're getting nothing back, then yes, maybe you need to take a moment and, and think, okay, is it my product? Is it the way I'm marketing this product? Is it the way I'm selling this product and use it as time of reflection, but keeping in mind that if you are getting around that 10 to 15% close rate, throwing that wide net, that you are moving along the right track and trying not to get discouraged. And having the confidence to keep asking, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And this is something that a lot of, of salespeople have a problem with. I see it all the time. They'll 
They'll do great work at uncovering um, objections and what motivates the customer like we discussed, and they'll go through and, and really position their products well, and, and they'll do a stellar job at all of that pre-work that you do in sales. And then they'll get to the end and they'll be afraid to ask for the business. And what you need to remember is, yes, you, you are expected to give that customer a good presentation and uncover their needs during that meeting, but they also owe you something. They owe you the respect and honesty to, to let you know if they're going to, to move forward with you and buy your product. And so you need to have the confidence and know that you have the, earned the right to ask whether or not they want to move forward with you and have the courage to do so. And this kind of ties back to what I said about loving your product and having faith in your product. You will feel more confident to do that because you will know that you're doing something good for this customer, that they will love these products, they will love this service. You feel that way, you're gonna feel more confident to ask, but you need to make sure to feel confident enough to ask for the business at the end. That is fantastic advice. Evie, how can listeners follow you? Well, as Britt knows, I've taken a little bit of a social media hiatus. I've been off there for 10 months. I highly recommend it to anybody that's listening, but I would love if we could connect on LinkedIn and you can find me um, under Evelyn Zawada uh, on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect or you can um, private message me if you have further questions. I love love helping others with sales. That's why I've decided to move into more of a, a sales training and leadership role. And please do not hesitate to reach out and we can have a conversation. I can answer any questions that you may have. That's fantastic. And Evie, thank you so much for being on the show. That is a wrap for the second part of the Developer Life Series. Evie, it was so great to have you and listeners. I will link everything in the show notes and talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 network. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review and thank you for listening.